Welcome, welcome, welcome. I would like to welcome you to episode 372 of the Unpopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Hunter. And here at the Unpopular Podcast, not really ask you to agree with me, I'm asking you to hear me out. The saying is, money gets you everywhere you need to go. And to a certain extent, that is true. You need money, obviously, in today's world to live as far as, you know, pay rent and pay bills and and buy things. But in the sports world, especially in baseball, that statement has has rung true or rang true throughout the entire duration of baseball, it seems like. The teams with the biggest markets, the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Dodgers, those are the teams that have been successful over the duration of baseball because they are able to put more money into their team than other other organizations, smaller market organizations. And I've said over the last few years that that model is changing. It's changing because of just how much money is out there. While, yes, the you know those big market teams still can afford more players, better players, the talent pool is a lot bigger than just you know big market teams and there's so much money out there that that the the term doesn't really ring true today or doesn't ring true today and where we're going to start is of course MLB playoffs and we have to have a serious discussion about the Dodgers for a second. You see, when when if you want a clear-cut example of why and how you know baseball is changing and how you know the whole big market team thing isn't really a thing anymore, while yes, there are still big market teams, but a big market team was almost prime to make a deep World Series run. But that's not the case anymore. And you know how that's not the case. The Dodgers are out. The Yankees didn't even make the playoffs. The Boston didn't even make the playoffs. You see, there's so much talent in the MLB. And there's so much talent in baseball today that while, yes, the Yankees obviously can offer you more money than, let's say, Washington Nationals. But the talent level has to be there. And when you get to the postseason, that's when the talent level has to shine the most. It doesn't matter how much money you put into a team. If, that, if the money that you put into the team does not show itself in the playoffs, it doesn't matter. Let me first congratulate the Diamondbacks. We're going to talk about the Phillies in a second as well, but the Diamondbacks were never looked at as a team that should be contenders as far as when we talk about top teams in MLB. When we talk about 
the Brewers, when we talk about the 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 Braves, when we talk about the Rays, nobody really considers the Diamondbacks, especially seeing as though the Diamondbacks haven't had the most <laughs> luxurious recent history. They've been one of the the I'm not gonna say worst teams, but one of the bottom feeders in baseball for for a minute now. So the fact that they come in and find themselves in the NLCS is incredible. Especially seeing as though they had to go against the Brewers, which a lot of people, even though the Brewers did come in third and had to had to do a wild card series, a lot of people had the Brewers at least making it to the World Series. So you had to go through them. Then you had to go through the highly vaunted Dodgers. You had to go against Freddie Freeman. You had to go against Mookie Betts. That is a tall task. And again, nobody really had expectations for this Diamondbacks team to, to make it as far as they made it. That that to me is a testament of itself. We talk about we talk about um goals a lot, especially when we talk about preseason. NFL, we talk about goals and we talk about every team's goal going into the season is a Super Bowl, is a World Series, is a NBA championship. But you know very quickly <laughs> how good your team is. And you know very quickly into the season, is your team a Super Bowl team? Is your team not a Super Bowl team? Is your team a lottery team? Like you know quickly. And it was looking kind of rough for the Diamondbacks. Again, we're talking about a team that has has been a bottom feeder for a minute. So the fact that they are here now, yes, they've they've been better over like the past few years, but nobody expected them to be here. So that is a testament in, in, to to them and their and their work ethic and. Shouts out to the Diamondbacks, man. I don't know. Again, we'll talk about the Phillies in a second. So I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know exactly what, how far. I don't know if this is the the end for the Diamondbacks, but the fact that they even made it to the NLC is is a thing. And shouts out to them for making it. This is, I don't know if this is the first year. I could be wrong. But this is one of those rare years where multiple 100 win teams did not make the NLC or did not make the CS. You have the Orioles, you have the Dodgers, and you have the Braves. Now, again, we're going to talk about the Braves and the Phillies in a second. But I have to talk about the Dodgers first. Because a lot of flack that the Lakers get for winning the NBA championship in the bubble. A lot of people call it the Mickey Mouse ring. 
lot of people say that it really shouldn't count. All that slander that the Lakers get for ultimately winning, by the way, definitely should definitely it it should be talked about as far as the the same vitriol that the Lakers get for that championship should probably be sent over the Dodgers way. The Dodgers won a World Series in 2020. I think, and of course, that was the year that the season was shortened. I think they only played like 47, 48 games or or 46 games or something in the regular season. They played pretty much 60 games to win the World Series. Since, we'll go back, actually. Let's go back to... uh, 2000 and let's go back to 2000 oh man since 2000 no 1988 1988 they won the world series against the oakland athletics four to one 1995, they lost in the Divisional Series. 1996, they lost in the Divisional Series. 1990, or 2004, they lost in the Divisional Series. 2006, they lost in the Divisional Series. 2008, they lost in the uh, NLCS. 2009, they lost in the NLCS. 2013, they lost in the uh, NLCS. 2014, they lost in the Divisional uh, NLDS. 2015, they lost in the Divisional Series. 2016, they lost in the Championship or the NLCS. 2017, they lost in the World Series. 2018, they lost in the World Series. 2019, they lost in the Divisional Series. Shouts out to the Nationals. 2020, of course, they won. 2021, they lost in the uh, NLCS. 2022, last year, they lost in the Divisional Series. In 2023, this year, they lost to the Diamondbacks in the the National Divisional Series, NLDS. Kind of like what we see from the Boston Celtics. The Dodgers have lived off of the past way more than they've done. Let me say this. The Dodgers' success outside of 2020 has been all regular season. Outside of 2020, and as we just said, 1998, or 1988, that, in fact, before 1988, then they, they won the World Series in 1981. So they haven't really been post they haven't seen postseason success outside of 2020, which was a shortened year. They haven't seen postseason success since 1988. Yes, the Dodgers is a big market team. California is a big market, 
obviously state. But these are historical failures. They're losing to teams that they shouldn't lose. Again, I understand that they're just one of three teams that won a hundred games that ultimately lost. I'm gonna yes, the Rays did win ninety-nine games, but this is a pattern with the Dodgers at this point. Again, I the Dodgers have one of the highest or one of the most expensive payrolls in baseball. And that and that is kind of why I started the episode with money. Back in the money usually look if you look at the Yankees and you look at the Yankees World Series championships, most of them because they were able to afford the best team. They're able to afford a Derek Jeter. They're able to afford a Alex Rodriguez. They're able to afford those type of players. You have Freddie Freeman. You have Mookie Betts. Like. You have David uh, David Peraltella. I know I said your name wrong, bro. I apologize. But you you have really good pieces. And, of course, you have Clayton Kershaw, who's definitely, it seems like he's closer to the end of his career than the beginning. This is one of the most expensive payrolls in baseball. Enrique Enrique Hernandez, like Max Muncy, had 36 home runs this year, tied for 12. All that, and you don't even make it out of the NLDS. And you lose to a much inferior team in the Diamondbacks. I understand that momentum is a thing, and I understand that you want to be hot at the right times. And obviously the Dodge or the Dodgers were not hot at the right times. And the, the Diamondbacks were, but again, we're going to talk about it in a second, but this, this feels the Dodgers losing and the Braves losing feels much different. It feels more of a failure, more of a, it feels like a much more heavy failure for the Dodgers than it does the Braves. It's not only you know what you know what it is. You know what it is. Nowadays because the talent pool is so so vast in sports and because the talent pool is so heavy in sports let's, let's just stick it let's just keep it to baseball. You have to spend the money on the right things. You see that with the Yankees. They continue to spend their money on hitting. It's it which by which they continue to spend their money on hitting and they they whiff on pitching. I don't remember a good pitcher for the Yankees since CC Sabathia. This Dodgers team, they spent money on big names, and those big names came up big for them in the in the in the regular season. Again, you had Mookie Betts, who 
tied for seventh with home runs with 39. You had Freddie Freeman. You had, you know, you had really good, a, a really good regular season. I mean, you finished with a hundred wins. At the end of the day, that hundred wins means absolutely nothing because you lost. And now you we sit back and and the 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 problem with this is I don't a lot of these players probably aren't going to be here next year. So you spent all that money on JD Martinez and. God, The the Orioles lost, but nobody really shunned the Orioles because the Orioles are a young team. I think they were the youngest team in the postseason. And while yes, they won a hundred a hundred plus games and lost, it's 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 all about steps. That's that's with every sport, not just not just baseball. It's all about steps, you know. You it's it's very hard. Now I know that going in, I pick the Orioles and I pick the um, Braves because I just felt like they were the hot, the two of the hottest teams going to the playoffs. But again, it's about the the, the Orioles is, is I believe the youngest team and was in the playoffs. So I understand it's they're 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 going to be back. I hope I hope because even as a you know you I'm not used to the Orioles being good <laughs> for for an extended amount of time. So. Hopefully they'll be back. They have one of the the best young players in baseball. We'll see. Um, but the Dodgers, man, and and what's even worse is they have a they have a black manager. Oh boy, it it's just it was it, to me this feels like an epic collapse. Not as bad as the the Boston Bruins. Not as bad as obviously the Golden State Warriors in the finals, but this feels like an epic collapse. There's no way that the Arizona Diamondbacks, and shouts out to them, I'm not taking anything away from them. There's no reason why the Arizona Diamondbacks should have beaten the Dodgers. And not only beat, dominate the Dodgers. They beat they 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 swept them. I said I was going to talk about the Phillies and talk about the Braves in a second. Or I said I was going to talk about the Phillies and the Braves. One of the biggest reasons why I don't think that this is – one of the biggest reasons why I feel that we look at the Dodgers losing and the Braves losing differently is because of the opponent. Is because the Braves lost to the Phillies and – the Dodgers lost to the Diamondbacks. Again, the Diamondbacks is the t- one of these teams not like the others, and that is the Diamondbacks. When you, what the Phillies did, and I commend them for it, is the Phillies built a team that was made for the postseason. I like this approach because while you you don't you, you it's not like you don't care about the regular season, but you understand how long the regular season is, and you understand that 
you don't get I mean regular season wars are cool but you want world series you you, you want that banner and what I commend like I said the 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 Phillies did it right man they built a team that was tailor made for the postseason they they attack every pitch they when they hit yo when they hit it seems like that the ferocity that comes off their bats is crazy when we talk about Trey Turner he's been great at shortstop Nick Catalic Castell Castellos Castellos I know I said your name wrong bro I apologize but he had the the what two home runs or he smashed that jump uh and it Bryce Harper Kyle Schwarber like these are who actually finished second Kyle Schwarber finished second with home run it was 47 home runs the Braves should have won if we look at the just the construction of the team the Braves should have won you have uh you know OZ Abreas, you have Ronald Acuna, you have Marcel Uz, Uzana. Like, you should have won. But what, th- what we saw in this series is a team that relied heavily on. The Braves relied heavily on their on things that made them great in the regular season. And a lot of times, the Braves' bats just fell asleep. They did not wake up. They weren't getting outside of, what, game two? Or, yeah. They just, their their bats just didn't work. And you ran into a team in the, in the Phillies that, again, was built for the postseason. They attack every pitch. They... They're yo, the ferocity that they swing with is postseason ferocity. Like they're not looking for no base hits. They're looking for home runs. And while that can that can hurt teams at times because it feels like you're swinging at everything, that's not the case for this Phillies team. This is a good team. And as we look today, I don't again, baseball, especially in, in postseason, is unpredictable at this point, but I don't see a team. I mean, I don't. I don't see how the Phillies don't make it back to the World Series. Now, the Rangers and the Astros may have something to say about it. I think that the Astros—they're pretty much the the Patriots when they're winning. They just keep doing it. They just and that and the Rangers are good too. The Rangers are—they're they're a—they're a heavy team. But I'm not saying that the world, the the Phillies are just going to ultimately win the World Series. But what I am saying is, um, it just feels it feels like they're at least destined to make it because they built a team that was tailor made for the postseason, which you don't see a lot, especially in baseball. So, shouts out to the Rangers, shouts out to the Astros, shouts out to the Phillies, shouts out to the Diamondbacks for making it to the ALCS and the NLCS. No, I'm not the biggest fan of baseball, but what I do love and and what it's felt like actually is back in the day when baseball was at its height. Well, when baseball was at its height, I wasn't alive, but 
It's been very tough for baseball to stand out. At least in today's sports, when you have, you know, the NFL going on, when you have the NBA starting up, when you have the WNBA starting up, like, or in the, in the final to this point, it's been very hard for baseball to stand out. And, of course, when you get to the playoffs, that's when things amplify. But it's still tough, especially on a Thursday night when, you know, you have a Thursday night football game on. Well, no, it's not the best team playing, but it's just hard to stand out. And what it's felt like is there's a reason why I started this show. I started this episode with baseball because it just felt like that has been the biggest thing going on right now. I understand that's the playoffs and that's no offense to football. There's no offense to the WNBA. We're going to talk about them in a second. But it feels like baseball is the biggest thing happening right now. And that is because of the star power that we're seeing in baseball, in these playoffs. We're seeing the Dodgers lose. We're seeing the Braves lose. We're seeing Bryce Harper be Bryce Harper, the one that we know from, you know, Washington days. The Astros, is anyone going to stop this quote-unquote dynasty? The Rangers, uh, the Orioles, like, it's just been, baseball has been the number one thing, it feels like. And this is even with college football going on. That's, that's it, again, it feels like the old old days when it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what your favorite sport is. If there's a playoff baseball game on, you're probably going to tune in. That's just what it's felt like. So, shouts out to baseball. Again, I, I've had my gripes about the MLB, uh, my gripes about baseball, but it, I can't negate what what was happening right now. And what's happening right now is it feels like baseball is is the number one thing right now, which is crazy. So, shouts out to them. We had a Thursday night football game. And... The Kansas City Chiefs beat the Denver Broncos 19-8. Now, last episode, I put on my defense attorney hat, and I defended Russell Wilson. I defended Russell Wilson because I just felt like there was a heap of undeserved criticism going his way. And it's been like that majority of the season. Thursday night football, I saw two teams that have major issues. And one team has issues that are solvable. Like, you can instantly solve these issues. Not instantly, but they can be solved by the end of the season. One team doesn't look like they're, it looks like it needs a complete teardown. Let's talk about the Kansas City Chiefs first. When you look at the numbers, and that's that's something that that's something that has been more prevalent than than most times this season. The numbers are incredible, but if you look at the games, the games show something much more. When you look at the numbers for the Kansas City Chiefs, it looks good. You know, 
Patrick Mahomes, 306 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Isaiah Pacheco had 30 or 62 rushing yards. Uh, Travis Kelsey, nine receptions for 124 yards. Kadarius Toney had a touchdown. It looks good on paper. But looking at that Kansas City Chiefs team on on Thursday, that is not a Super Bowl caliber team. Now their issues can be fixed by the end of this year, but as we as currently constructed, that is not a Super Bowl caliber team. At some it's 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 clear that there is not a reliable offensive player on this on this field not named Travis Kelsey that Patrick Mahomes can throw to it just it, it feels like there's a reason why every time you looked Patrick Mahomes was trying to get the ball to Travis Kelsey cuz it's just they do not have a number one receiver. Their number one receiver is the tight end, which is Travis Kelsey. And while we've talked about that for weeks now, and that has been a thing for weeks now, again, winning silences a lot. Because they're winning and because they won, it's not at the, the criticism, the issues are not as loud because you're ultimately winning. But if they were one and five, or if they were let's say three and two, the conversation would be much different. On top of that, the defense is still incredible. That's just again, this is probably the best defense that Patrick Mahomes has had. But I get to Andy Reid. And not at all am I saying that Andy Reid is not a good coach. I would never come out here and say that. That would be blasphemous. That would be incorrect. One of Andy Reid's calling cards has been trick plays. And has been offensive plays and offensive schemes that that are unorthodox. But they they ultimately usually work. And when you have a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes that gives you the freedom to run plays like the plays Andy Reid tries to draw up, it's just more the more the merrier, let's say. But what's never really talked about because let me say I will I will give them credit for this. Those plays usually work. Those plays usually work. Those plays usually don't cost them. And when they do work, it's like only Andy Reid, only Andy Reid run offense would run something like that. But what we saw on Thursday night was the other side, which is very rare. Again, I will give the Kansas City Chiefs credit for. It's very rare. But we saw the other side. We saw when it doesn't work, when it's not connecting on multiple occasions there was multiple times where Andy Reid tried to do trick plays 
tried to do a fake punt, tried to do um, or fake yeah fake fake field goal, or tried to do Kendarius Tony throw the ball, damn near got intercepted, or them trying to run a high version of the Wildcat where Kendarius Tony all he had to do was give the ball to the running back and they would have got a first down. Instead, he kept it. There were multiple times in this game where those trick plays that usually would work that we'd marvel at didn't, which essentially put the Kansas City Chiefs in a bad spot on several occasions. Now, if they would have played a better team, they probably would have kept the, the better team probably would have capitalized on that. They didn't because they played against the Denver Broncos. There is a... There's still obviously time in the season. We're only on week six. So there's time for a wide receiver to emerge as a number one option. Right now it's looking like Rasheed Rice, uh, who is also a rookie, but he he looks like the the player that they're trying to elevate to be that number one. But it, it just seems like it doesn't seem like it's clear that the Kansas City Chiefs don't have a number one receiver. And it's really all on Travis Kelsey. Which is why you see such a huge discrepancy, not only in targets, but in yards. And if, as we've seen on a couple of occasions this year, if Travis Kelsey does not, like, if he has a bad game, more than likely they might lose. And that's no offense to Patrick Mahomes. It's just, not to mention, actually, the next point, the offensive line. Yo, that offensive line for the Kansas City Chiefs, bro, which they spent their most money on this offseason, has been god awful. Like it's it's been he's been he runs for his life the whole game. We're gonna talk about the Broncos in a second, but that offensive line does not that's that's I, I said that coming into the season. I said the thing that I think would hold back the Kansas City Chiefs is their offensive line. And their the the lack of receivers. I thought the offensive line would be better. I thought it was going to be a question mark. That question mark has been answered. They're not good. I don't know if you can bring anybody. I don't know if you know throughout the season they're going to get better. But right now the offensive line is not good for the Kansas City Chiefs. And as we sit here today, as great as Patrick Mahomes is, as great as Travis Kelsey is, as great as Andy Reid is, as great as Chris Jones is, they have a shot every game. But it's the question that I saw, I think First Take did, shout out to them, is, is the Kansas City Chiefs the team to beat in the AFC? And I would say just by default, because they are the reigning Super Bowl champions, yes. But there are multiple teams in the AFC that I would pick over the Kansas City Chiefs right now. There's not anybody I would pick over Patrick Mahomes. There's not anybody as far as skill position that I'd pick over Travis Kelsey. But as a team, there's multiple teams I'd pick over the Kansas City Chiefs. This 
current iteration of the Kansas City Chiefs. It can look different with the trade deadline. Like it, I don't know, but we'll see. Ooh, now let's get <laughs> now let's get to the Denver Broncos. I was talking to somebody, and they said something that I didn't really, I knew it, but you're seeing it. When people talk about Russell Wilson going from the Seahawks to the Denver Broncos, And the Broncos giving Russell Wilson the amount of money that they gave him, you're expecting instant success. You're expect because Russell Wilson was very good and considered widely as one of the best quarterbacks in football. You expect that that talent to translate to the Denver Broncos. And what people do is they look at a Tom Brady going from the Patriots to the Bucks and ultimately winning a Super Bowl. They go, they talk about Peyton Manning going from the Colts to the Broncos and ultimately winning a Super Bowl. They talk about those quarterbacks changing teams and ultimately seeing success. Hell, they even talk about Matthew Stafford going from Detroit to the Rams. LA and ultimately winning a Super Bowl. But what they don't talk about is what happened in those transactions or what happened in those 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 moves. And when let's 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 talk about all of them. Let's start with Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford goes from a Detroit Lions team to L.A. Rams team. That L.A. Rams team then invested in Cooper Cup. They then invested in a Odell Beckham Jr. They then invest in, of course, they had Aaron Donald, but you also get a Von Miller. That was in a win now, and they have Andrew Whitworth. Like, they have a good offensive line. They invest in the entire team and they build that team around the talents. That is the key that is the key phrase. They built the team around the talents of Matthew Stafford, which is why you see Cooper Cooper Cup is probably the perfect wide receiver for Matthew Stafford. Puka Nakua is a perfect wide receiver for Patrick for not Patrick for Matthew Stafford. Van Joseph or Van Jefferson was a perfect wide receiver for Matthew Stafford. Odell Beckham Jr. was a perfect wide receiver for Matthew Stafford. They built the team around the talents of Matthew Stafford. On top of that, they had a great defense. They had a really good offensive line. The team was built to win around the talents of their quarterback. Let's go to Peyton Manning. You went from the Colts, who had arguably one of the worst offensive lines, to the Denver Broncos that had one of the best. You also have Von Miller in that they had arguably the best defense we've seen in the history of football. The defense that took them to the Super Bowl. Peyton Manning was on his last leg, man. 
but they invest in the running game. They invest in the wide receivers. They invest in a great defense, and they understand that while Peyton Manning probably can't win us the Super Bowl, we also have we can fall back on the defense, which is ultimately what won the Super Bowl 50. The Patriots. Tom Brady went to a team that had an incredible offensive line, an incredible coach, an incredible coaching staff. He had Mike Evans, who was is widely underrated, in my opinion, and should always be considered one of the top wide receivers in football. You had Chris Godwin, who moved to a number two, but he's really a number one. You have Leonard Fournette. You also have Gronkowski, who, of course, Gronkowski is not the same Gronkowski from the New England days, but he still has juice and he still was an integral part. You even have Antonio Brown. And you have a defense. You have Levante David. You have Damon White. You have uh, Shaq Barrett, Shaq, uh, Shaquille Bennett, uh, Shaquille, yeah. Via Vea. Like you, Tom Brady didn't go to a trash organization or didn't go to a trash team. He went to a, a team that was ready to win. They just needed the quarterback to stop turning the ball over. I say all that to say when you bring on Russell Wilson, you have to. Understand what his talents are, and you have to build around his talents. And what it seems like is the talent that you put around Russell Wilson and the scheme that you put around Russell Wilson does not bode well for Russell Wilson. It doesn't bring the best out of him. We thought a Cortland Sutton would be a great acquisition, but he hasn't been that good. We saw the whole uh, interaction with Jaron Judy and Stephen Smith, or yeah, Steve Smith. Jared Judy hasn't been that great. Now, I'm not absolving Russell Wilson. Let me not say that, especially on Thursday. Russell Wilson was not good. He 13 for 22, 95 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. He wasn't that good. But Thursday highlighted that this isn't just a Russell Wilson thing. I said that Russell Wilson has not been the problem this year, and I don't think he has been. But I also said he hasn't been the solution. And when you pay him as much money as you pay him, he is expected to be the solution. Again, that's why so many people are upset with Daniel Jones in New York, because when you're getting paid as much money as you're paying, they don't care that the offensive line is trash. They don't care that your wide receivers haven't really been there. They need you to overcome that. Russell Wilson has not been able to overcome that. In fact, he has been part of the problem because he can't be the solution now we're just talking about this year last year he was definitely the problem and on Thursday he was definitely majority of the problem but Thursday Thursday night football really showed that this is there is not a a unit that you can look at and say that is what we're going to lean on you paid all this money for Sean Payton, and you on, and you can tell that Sean Payton does not want Russell Wilson as his quarterback. But you pay all this money for Sean Payton. Sean Payton was there, is there to completely change around this offense and change around this team. He hasn't done that. In fact, they look damn near as bad, if not worse, than 
they looked last year with Nathaniel Hackett. And while Russell Wilson numbers have looked good, it obviously hasn't matriculated anything because they're one in five. This has been a organizational failure. This entire situation, this entire state of this team has been an organizational failure from the top up, from the people that you draft, from the people that you surround uh, Russell Wilson with. The fact that what Sean, what it seems like Sean Payton is trying to do is Sean Payton is trying to fit Russell Wilson in his scheme, not build a scheme around Russell Wilson. That's the same thing Nathaniel Hackett did. And Sean Payton has some elementary-ass plays. Hell, I know I'm not a football expert, but that's what they're saying. Every single person I've heard has say that Sean Payton's – Sean Payton's schemes have been elementary. And while you think, well, if it's elementary, shouldn't it be easy for Russell Wilson to run? Yeah, but it also is easy to be defended. Now, again, I am not saying, and I'm not absolving all of this Denver Broncos issue. I'm not taking it off of Russell Wilson. Again, I don't think he's been the biggest problem but he has also not been the biggest solution and that in and of itself is a problem but this this Denver Broncos thing is a organizational failure from the top up or from the top down and as we saw on Thursday it was an ugly performance and I haven't even talked about, and I'm not even going to, but I haven't even talked about how bad that defense is. Shouts out to the Chiefs for beating the Denver Broncos 19-8. Sean Payton hasn't been good either. He's put his team in some bad like, like He's put his team in some bad situations. A lot of his calling hasn't been good. He hasn't been good either. There has been there is not one person that has been good on this team. There's not and it has big names. It has uh Javante Williams, who did come back. He had 52 yards. It has Russell Wilson. It has Patrick Sertan. They just let go of Randy Gregory. They also just let go of Frank Clark. Two well, I know Frank Clark was their big acquisition during this offseason. They let him go. And he gave the money back. It's just it is a organizational failure from the top from the top down, man. Plain and simple. Let's move forward. Let me jump over to the WNBA for a second. If you remember my prediction, I was torn between picking the Vegas Aces and picking the New York Liberty. I all I ultimately settled with picking the New York or Vegas Aces because I just felt the Vegas Aces who obviously are trying to repeat. I just felt that they were going to be more ready for the WNBA finals than the New York Liberty who you can argue was the hottest team going into the playoffs. But if you remember, 
the reason why I said the Vegas Aces were going to win, and the reason and the the biggest outlook of this series was, I said that the stars were going to cancel each other out, and it was going to be a quote unquote other that was going to have to emerge as as or it was going to have to be an other quote unquote to seal the deal for these teams. And because I said it was going to be like a Benazia Laney. I thought it was going to be like a Jackie Young. It was going to be a Kia Stokes. I said it was going to be one of those players. And again, the reason why I said that is because I felt the stars were going to cancel each other out. I felt Brianna Stewart was going to cancel out Asia Wilson and vice versa. I felt that John Quill Jones was going to cancel out, a, let's say, a Kelsey Plum or a Chelsea Gray. I thought that, you know, Sabrina Nadescu was going to cancel out a, a, a Kelsey Plum. I was right about one thing. I was right about a couple of things. <laughs> I was right that. Let me say this. As we sit here today, game three is tomorrow. As we sit here today, the Vegas Aces are one win away from repeating as WNBA champions. And the first two games haven't been close. Game one, the Vegas Aces won 99 to 82. Game two, they won 104 to 76. It has been a complete domination. What I was right about was the Vegas Aces. When you've never been somewhere, sometimes you don't know how to act. And sometimes you don't understand what it's like. And while I'm not saying that the New York Liberty as a whole, have not been to the WNBA Finals. I mean, Jonquil Jones, which sucks for her because she's been to like three of the last five. And if things turn out the way it looks like they're finna turn out, she's about to be 0-3. Um, this will be the first time ever that the Brianna Stewart loses a championship series. Kels, uh, Courtney Vandersloot, she won with the Sky. But it just seems like when you're watching it, it seems like a team that's been there and, and knows what's in front of them compared to a team that just isn't, doesn't know or a team that's just lost. What this series, I say this, and this is the beauty of series. And when I say series, I mean any series a baseball series, a basketball series, the difference, the, the thing that a series does is they expose you for what you are. And they they highlight your strengths and they expose your weaknesses. The the One of the biggest strengths for the Vegas Aces is they 
can beat you two different ways. They can beat you defensively. They can just lock you down defensively, or they can they can put points on your head. When Asia Wilson is going crazy, when Kelsey Plum is hitting from three, when Jackie Young is getting 20-something points, when Chelsea Gray is getting double-doubles, they can beat you in multiple ways. What it seems like is the, the New York Liberty, which I thought could beat you in multiple ways, cannot. Or they haven't shown that they've been able to, at least so far in the playoffs. Or, I mean, not playoffs, in the, in the WNBA Finals. The Vegas Aces just look like the far superior team. And it looks like one thing that I feared, and the one thing... One one downside with super teams that nobody really talks about is it really affects the, the okay the title super team is usually because of, it's ah, how do I say this super teams are always top heavy when you look at a super team quote unquote they are top heavy when you go back to Golden State Wars Kevin Durant Steph Curry Clay Thompson and Draymond Green. Everyone else was complimentary players, but they were also replaceable. And none of the other players were expected to be big in big moments. Like Andre Godala, he was expected maybe to play defense and stuff, but you're not expecting him to 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 just be big in big moments. When we talk about the San Antonio Spurs, you had Tim Duncan, Monty Ginobili, uh Kawhi Leonard, but he was young, and you had Tony Parker. Everyone else was role players. The Boston Celtics, you had Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, and Ray Allen. Everyone else, the, the Kendrick Perkins, the Tony Allens, they are role players. Good role players, but role players. When we talk about a super team, the super the the, the top is usually it's usually a top heavy team. Now you expect those players to elevate their games and you the 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 rest of the team you expect them to elevate their game you expect them to to assist the the top but at the end of the day a super team is usually a top heavy team and what we're seeing and i think the biggest indictment about this nba or wnba finals and about the new york liberty is they are so reliant on a Brianna Stewart. They're so reliant on a John Quill Jones. They're so reliant on their big quote unquote four or five. You can say Belangenegni. But the problem is the Vegas Aces are shutting off their water. They're this completely shutting down Brianna Stewart. Courtney Vandersloot has been pretty much shut down. When Sabrina Descu's not hitting her three, she is very inefficient. Kind of like Kelsey Plum. But it just seems like they, the Vegas Aces, when you shut, if you shut off Asia Wilson, you still have Jackie Young to come at you. You still have Kelsey Plum. You still have Chelsea Gray. If you cut off two of them, you still have two more. If you cut off Brianna Stewart and John Quell Jones, it just, yeah, you may have um, Sabrina Desk who might hit it, might hit a couple shots, but that's about it. It just feels like this is such, even though it's a one and two matchup, it just feels so lopsided. And I don't think, 
I believe so. The game is tomorrow at three. I believe. I be, I don't. I think the New York Liberty is going to play lights out. I think you're gonna. They're probably gonna destroy the Vegas Aces. Your 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 season's on the line. They're going to destroy the Vegas Aces. I believe. I don't think that that's. I think the Vegas Aces are probably gonna finish at Game Four. But game three, you're going to see the best out of every single player. Because you don't, I mean, you're in the WF, you don't want to get embarrassed. You don't want to get swept. So they're going to play their hearts out. And they are going to dominate, in my opinion, the Vegas Aces. Now, when you get to game four, yeah. And I know that the talk has been around about the person that voted Asia Wilson fourth in MVP voting. She has been the clear-cut best player on the floor this entire play uh, NBA or WNBA Finals. So I was right about I, again. Anything can happen. There's you still got to win one more game. But as I sit here today, it looks like I was kind of right about the Vegas Aces. I was just so I just didn't think that. I knew the Vegas Aces were good defensively. I mean, you have the defensive player year. I just didn't think that they would shut off the water as effectively for the New York Liberty as they are. I didn't think that there was any, even though I, you know, we know how great Breonna Stewart is, and there's no indictment to her, but I didn't think that Asia Wilson and this Vegas Aces team were going were gonna to really slow down the stars for the Vegas or for the New York Liberty as as well as they are. And still, because playing defense is, is tiring, bro. I'm going to be real with you, yo. Playing defense is tough. Especially when you're asked to be good offensively. Like, that just takes a lot out of you. That's why you see a lot of any player, they can, they're usually, like you see a Damian Lillard, just extremely effective on the offensive side of the ball. Not that good defensively because you just don't focus on the defense because it's just it's just tiring. I just didn't think the Vegas Aces as a team. They've been beating them as a team, and they're without Candace Parker. That is crazy to think about. So, and it's been even though these games have been blowouts, it's just been so crazy to see how surgical and how precise and how ready the Vegas Aces have looked compared to the New York Liberty who it just seems like they it seems you ever go into a contest and you think it's going to be easier than it is and then once it like they slap you in the mouth or it's like Jesus Christ like it just doesn't it feels like the New York Liberty got knocked knocked down to the mat and they just haven't got up yet I believe they're going to get up and start swinging game three as far as proverbial swing and and I think they're gonna win but uh yeah shouts out to uh the Vegas Aces for being one win away for of from winning back-to-back WNBA finals so let's move forward uh we are at week six of the NFL and I would like to give my uh early uh, give my predictions we have the Overseas game, the Ravens at Titans. I think that I would hope to think that the 
the game that we saw last week from the Ravens and how having eight drops in the game, I would I would like to hope that is a misnomer and that's not something that's going to continue. And I just I the Ryan Tannehill has not really been good at all. Uh, I I got the Ravens winning. I just think the Ravens need a bounce back game, and I hope that this is going to be the case. So I have the Ravens winning. Commanders at Falcons. This is a sneaky game. One, because Desmond Ritter has not lost at home since like middle school. And the Commanders have been sitting for a minute. And their defense has not been what what we expect it to be. I, I Sam Howell at this point, I do think is a little better than Desmond Ritter. And I, I think that this is a a game for Washington that's going to show, you know, put their defense back on the map, especially how they looked last game. So I got Washington beating Atlanta Vikings at bears. That's a tough one because both teams aren't good. I'm actually going to pick the bears. I think that what Justin Fields did, and with DJ Moore, they've they've built a rapport. That, I mean, they they built a rapport that just shredded the Washington team. Um, and the Vikings don't have a good defense. Now their offense is good, but Justin Jefferson is on IR, so he's not going to be playing. I, I got the Bears winning. I just think that the Bears, the, the connection that DJ Moore has with uh, Justin Fields is has the potential to be special. And this Bears team. While they're not that good, it looks like they could have found something against the Commanders. So I got the Bears winning. Seahawks at Bengals. This is a real. This is going to be a really good game. I think this is the game where you're going to see if Joe Burrow is really back. Uh, I know he didn't play good defense last week, but they did ultimately win, and Jamar Chase went crazy. The Seahawks have a really good defense, have a really good pass rush. I'm going to go with the. I'm going to go with the Seahawks winning this game. Um, I, I'm not 100% sold that Joe Burrow is 100% back. And when you're going against a better defense, we're, we're going to see. I can be wrong. Definitely talk about it next episode. But I have the Seahawks being the Bengals. 49ers at Browns. Uh, DeMar, or Deshaun Watson's not playing. Even if he was playing, I think the 49ers are the best team in football right now. I have the 49ers winning comfortably. Uh Saints at Texans. Ugh. I have the Saints. I think that the Texans have been really good. And I've I've been singing the Texans praise all year, but I just think that the Saints are a little better. And I think this is another year for De- or another week for Derek Carr to get healthy, uh, or closer to healthy than not since you know with his shoulder. So I have the Saints winning that game. Colts at Jaguars. I have the Jaguars, even though the Jaguars are at home, and I know that they have not won a game at home this year yet. But Anthony Richardson is not playing. That's not looking good. Um, I got a, I got the Jaguars winning. Panthers at Dolphins. I got the Panthers getting destroyed by the Dolphins. I could obviously be wrong, but I got the Dolphins winning. Patriots at Raiders. The, the Patriots are a mess right now. So are the Raiders, but... I trust more what the Raiders have going on right now than the Patriots, especially with the Mac Jones situation. Uh, I have the Raiders winning this game. Lions at Buccaneers. I have the Lions winning this game. I just think the Lions are better as a team. Uh, so 
at the Lions. Cardinals at Rams. I have the Rams. James Connors out. It's just not going to look good for the Cardinals. So I got the Rams. Eagles at Jets. I don't know why people are trying to hype this game up like it's going to be good. I know the defense is cool, but the Eagles are about to destroy the Jets. Like, come on now. Come on now. I know the Jets look good against the Broncos, but I got the Eagles. Giants at Bills. Get another game. Yo, we have to find a way. What 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 other why can't we flex like why can't we flex why can't the Seahawks and Bengals be Sunday night football? Like why does it gotta be the Giants and Bills? Why can't it be hell, I'll even take the no, I don't wanna see that either. I I even take the four mm, do I really want to see it? Yeah, I even take the 49ers and Browns. Like, I don't want to see the Giants again on prime time. Uh, the Bills are going to destroy the Giants. And, yeah, I got the Bills winning. And Monday Night Football, Cowboys at Chargers. I think this is a very important game for both teams. And I think that both teams moving forward will have two completely different mindsets about the season moving forward i think if the cowboys lose this game a lot is you're going to look a lot on dak prescott and i say this if the cowboys lose this game and dak prescott looks like he's done or looks like he looked this season it's not going to look good for him and mike mccarthy honestly uh because there all the talk this week has been about number one receivers and and how dak prescott has not looked good uh and Mike McCarthy, especially going against Kellen Moore on this, on this, get letting go of Kevin Moore, Kellen Moore, it's it's just gonna look bad. Now if the Chargers lose, you're gonna look solely at Brandon Staley. It's like, all right, you can't win the big game. You lost to the, uh, you lost to the Dolphins. Now you lose to the Cowboys. The only reason why you won is because Justin Herbert's bailing you out. It's just gonna it's just gonna look tough for both teams. Um I'm gonna go with the Chargers. The Chargers are at home, and I think that well they have a pretty okay pass they have a pretty good pass rush, but well I, I'm gonna go with the Chargers. I think the Chargers are gonna win this game. Uh I have come down to earth for the Cowboys, and I'm not saying that they're just to lose every game, but I do think that this is a really big game for the Chargers, and it does help that they're at home. So we will see. Um, lastly, before we go, every year the NBA, actually every year pretty much every league releases a top 100 list. And this, of course, is a list of the top 100 players or ESPN ranks them. And these lists are solely built off of controversy and is solely built to get the people talking, get people conversing, get people to argue, get people to talk about the list, talk about the NBA, talk about ESPN and it has, you know, caused a stir. Obviously, it, it does every year. Uh, I'm not going to go over the whole list. I'm not even mad at the whole list. I don't really care about the whole list. There are some things that 
you know, is is clear. Like they put Russell Westbrook at ninety four. There is not ninety players better than Russell Westbrook. I understand that he didn't have the easiest year last year, and I also understand that Russell was Russell Westbrook for majority, of, actually pretty much his entire career, he has been an inefficient player. What he has been that has worked on his side is he plays with an energy and he plays with heart. He plays with a ferocity that nobody else really matches the entire game. Russell Westbrook has always had a lot of turnovers. The difference is, of course, he hasn't played. He's been the only person, so he'll have 30 points, but he'll also have six, seven turnovers. Now you're 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 not getting thirty points. You're getting maybe fifteen, sixteen because you're playing against good play or playing with good players. It's, it's going to look worse. But I would say if you want to be fair, I'd put Russell Westbrook closer to fifty than nine to a hundred. That's kind of crazy. Um, John Morant, they put him at thirty-five. John Morant, in my opinion, before the whole gun incident, he was a leading and an injury incident. He was a MVP candidate uh, so to put an MVP candidate at 35 is alright and to put him one slot behind Kyrie is definitely like okay um, Anthony Edwards was over Damian Lillard I love Anthony Edwards and I think Anthony Edwards is probably the best young star outside of Jason Tatum and, and Luka Doncic but uh, over Dame, no, not not yet. Uh, they put Shea Gilders at eight. Look here, I I like Shea Gilders. I think Shea Gilders, I think is it's a conversation between him and Anthony Edwards as the third play as that third young star. Again, I don't think they're both they're either better than Luca or Jason Tatum. But Shea Gilders at eight is crazy. Yo, he just like come on now. They put, I, I you can argue and you can again. That, that's what these that's what these lists are for, man. These lists are for an argument. These lists are for uh, people to talk. They put Luka Doncic above Steph Curry. Steph Curry, and Luka didn't even make the playoffs last year with Kyrie. Steph did, and made it to the second round. So. Yeah, man, I, I'm not going to bash the list. These are people's opinions. Uh, and the sole purpose of the list is doing is to do what we're doing now, and that's talking about it. Uh, so, shouts out to them. And shououts out to you guys. So, um, that is it, man. That's today's episode of the Unpopular Podcast. Oh, shouts out to Teresa Witherspoon, man. She, I believe, is, is the head coach now for the Chicago Sky. It has been a really crazy road for her to to get to where she is, um, and I commend her. She was on the on the coaching staff for the Pelicans, and then a lot of crap happened, a lot of turnover happened. Hey, man! Shouts out to Teresa Witherspoon for being the head coach of the Chicago Sky. Definitely well deserved. When you talk about basketball, and you talk about women's basketball, her name is is 
actually, when you talk about basketball in general, her name is revered as one of the most knowledgeable people in terms of basketball and how basketball should be played. And it was just a matter of time that she was going to be a head coach. She should have been a head coach a lot sooner. Uh, but shouts out to her for finally being the or for getting the coaching position for the Chicago Sky. Definitely, definitely well deserved. Um, again, that's been today's episode of the Popular Podcast. I appreciate you guys. If you want a Popular Podcast shirt, hoodie, sweater, long sleeve joggers, the link is in the description below. I have multiple different colors, multiple different designs. Get your Unpopular Podcast merch today. Also, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. I'm trying to grow the YouTube channel as much as I can, and I, I post videos daily. Uh, tell a friend to tell a friend to subscribe. It means a lot. Uh, please follow the socials. Follow Instagram. Follow TikTok. I also post there daily. I comment with you guys. I talk to you guys. Just keep it respectful, but we can debate. I have no problem with it. I enjoy it. Just keep it respectful and follow the socials. Uh, and that's that's it, man. I hope you have a great weekend. And until next time, much love. <laughs>